this is not a military takeover. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. Sit yourself down, strap yourself in, as you're going to be listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, where over the course of the next hour, you'll be exposed to music that you should hear on the radio, but don't.
Greetings fellow Acre owner and kicking off today's show were Day 21 and we interrupt this program that was swiftly followed by NY Loose and Bitch from their Born to Loose album. On last week's show I played Stockwell by Sham69 mentioned that I was sure that Day 21 originally recorded it in demo form before Jimmy reunited with Dave Parsons and Dave Tregana. No I haven't found a demo but I did message both the Day 21 former rhythm section of Matt Sargent and Schnell to ask them about said track. Schnell got back to me first, saying that it was indeed a Day 21 song that uh, not even he had a copy of, with Matt adding later that it was originally slated for the Sham 69 album No Apologies that never got released. Then I wondered if Robin Guy drummed on the version that I aired as Danny Fury played on the one that cropped up on the uh, set list, the anthology of re-recorded classic songs that came out in 2013. So maybe that was the one that was used on the Evolution of Punk EP. So I asked Robin, who said that he was 99% certain it was him. However, apparently both versions are quite similar, but his has a more solid edge. Confused? Yeah, you will be. I know I only played some NY Loose on last week's show, in the same form of their cover of Iggy Pop's Lust for Life, that as well as being available on the free CD that came with issue 173 of Classic Rock, it can also be found on the We Will Fall, the Iggy Pop tribute CD. But it spurred me on to seek out and play their two albums, the aforementioned Born to Loose and Year of the Rat, sadly. I discovered that Steve Anaconis, a.k.a. Homeboy Steve, a.k.a. Ebenezer Smith, the first guitar player with NY Loose, who featured on the band's early singles, suddenly died of heart failure on the 26th of March. Back when Ginger was talking about forming Hey Hello, he said musically he wanted it to sound like uh, the Sex Pistols meets ABBA. In my mind, the core lineup should have been Bridget West and from Vice Squad Becky Bondage as joint singers with Willie Dowling on keyboards and obviously Ginger on guitar. Alas, as always, my fantasies remain just that. But just think how that lineup would have sounded. And whilst you do, this is Hey Hello and how I survived. The Punk Wars.
You'll be pleased to learn that all the music played on today's show has been self-isolating and maintained social distance because coming up next is the title track from Virus's new album Evil Lucian Apocalypse that's due to hit the real and virtual record shops later this month.
Someone's Out for Blood, and I think it's Emily and the Blackouts. Blood was taken from Emily and the Black Outs self-titled album that came out a couple of weeks ago that you can pick up from the Riverside Californian-based group's Bandcamp site for only $9. The Sinclairs, who feature Rat Scabies and Billy Shinbone, have released a third track from their debut Cleopatra record, Sparkle. The track in question is called Dodgems and sounds remarkably like this. <laughs>
Magic and Neon Animal, who comprise of Mark Thorne, lead vocals, Miguel Martins, guitar and backing vocals, Jonathan Gagelin, bass and backing vocals, and IVK Liz on drums will be on the 26th via Cargo Records, releasing their brand spanking new album, Make No Mistake. The band's debut album, Bring Back Rock and Roll from the Dead, that came out in the summer of 2016, was a mixture of sleazy, slinky 70s, glitter and 80s glam. Some of the new tracks from Make No Mistake were aired when I saw them at Rockaway Beach on the 28th of February, which was also the last gig that I went to before all this pandemic shitstorm kicked off. I've got a feeling that the band's next gig on the September the uh, 5th at the Blackheart will be my next gig. Uh, the question obviously is, can Neon Animal maintain their traction with album number two? Well, let's find out with Rock and Roll War. Bring it back from the dead. 
I think it's safe to say that Neon Animal are still bringing rock and roll back from the dead. Make no mistake. Did you see what I did there? Okay, moving swiftly along. The Hit Priests are famed for releasing 7-inch singles left, right and centre. Things this year have been rather on the slow side with only the Drink To My Demons picture disc backed with Press Darlings being the sole addition to Discogs. Well, that's all going to change with the re-recorded version of Zero Fucks given by the current Five Piece. Now, I'm not normally a fan of bands re-recording their own material, uh, like Ozzy Osbourne, replacing Bob Dainsley and Lee Kerslake uh, with Robert Strulo and Mike Borden uh, on the 2002 reissue of Blizzard of Oz. Usually it's done to circumnavigate record label contracts like Def Leppard and the re-recording you know, some of their classic hits as a way to spite their label, Universal Music Group, with whom they had butted heads over compensation, especially for digital downloads back in 2012. So I asked Sergeant Major Lee Love, bassist with the dipshits, the burning question of why. He came back with, uh, we were going to do another quick split but didn't have any tunes left as they were sent elsewhere. And as this looks like to be our sweet home Alabama, we thought we'd knock it out with gentle Ben whittling away. To be honest, with no disrespect to skin tight Tim, DP Bomber and indeed gentle Ben, along with the aforementioned Lee Love Plus, Austin Rocket and Nathan Von Cruz have made the new version even harder and more urgent. <laughs>
So I've been back at work for a week, and yes, it sucks. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy my job immensely, but it does get in the way of me sitting in the garden and reading. Pre-pandemic, I averaged about a book a month. However, whilst I was on faux retirement, I was getting through one between four and five days. The two I wish to talk about today are, firstly, Glenn Hughes' autobiography. It is a real page turner with seamless asides from those involved but jesus age christ i knew he used to dabble in cocaine but at the height of his addiction no pun intended he pretty much was chain snorting 24 7 how he didn't die is right for one of those unexplained late night tv programs i was uh, unaware of this uh, but glenn sang backing vocals on three of the songs that appeared on White Snake's Slip of the Tongue album, and it was uh, with help from David Coverdale that prompted Glenn to eventually clean up his act. Now, Mrs. A is a huge White Snake and David Coverdale fan, to wit, the Mark III and four Deep Purple lineups are her favourites. So I thought I'd play Burn, but uh, instead of the regular version, I thought I'd try and find a demo to play in today's demolition segmentation. However, it turns out that. It's a prime candidate for... Compare... And contrast. Right, so this is the remix 30th anniversary version of Burn from 2004 as no demo was forthcoming.
and this is George Gershwin's 1924 composition, Fascinating Rhythm. Yeah, guilty as sin. When I played this to the squirrel, whilst maintaining social distancing, she was agog at the blatant plagiarism and inquired if Gershwin is credited as a songwriter. The answer's no. Uh, and let's not forget, Glenn Hughes wasn't even given the writing credits he was entitled to until the 2004 reissue. The next book to come my way was Cheetah Chrome's autobiography, A Dead Boy's Tale, that I've been after for ages. They are readily available, but uh, it's been out of print for such a while. Uh, a hardback copy can go for around 80 quid, which is, you know, well out of my league. Fortunately, I came across an infinitely cheaper one. Uh, the seller didn't realise what he could have got, hence my speedy and panicked purchase. As I've mentioned before... Don't go a bundle on autobiographies that dwell on the growing up part, as I want to get straight to the nitty-gritty of rock, or in this case, punctum. Cheetah does do the growing up part, which uh, I understand. Uh, as like I said regarding Scott Ian's autobiography, you know, it gives the reader an insight to why the subject is the way he, well, indeed she, is, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to accept it. Uh, as a Dead Boy's Tale was uh, printed in 2010, doesn't cover the Dead Boys' uh, reformation from a few years ago and subsequent split, however. We do get to learn all about Rocket from the Tombs and the Dead Boys and all, you know, what they encompassed. 
Having been out of print for so long, it would be fantastic if an updated version was published with Cheetah filling us in on the last 10 years. Maybe it could even warrant a standalone volume too. Now, earlier on, I said that uh, I struggled to enjoy bands that re-record their classic material. However, the Dead Boys still young, loud and snotty at 40 is yet another of my many exceptions to the rule. Uh, even if it doesn't feature stiff, it is really, really good. And uh, I can understand, even more so, after reading the Cheetah's book, why it was necessary. Having said that, here's the original Dead Boys version of Sonic Reducer. <laughs> through the interwebs looking for new music i am still from the school of artwork if an album cover looks interesting they're not going to study it with view to hearing what the band has to offer and then purchasing said record step forward 
Giant Eagles. Never heard of this Rotterdam based band until I saw the cover of their second and current new album, Second Landing, which uh, sported a giant, obviously, eagle, wearing an orange spacesuit. Now, here's an aside. Uh, a package turned up for my daughter a couple of weeks ago that was addressed to me. Inside was the new 1975 album, Notes on a Conditional Form. I never ordered that, my daughter claimed. What we had forgotten was that when you pre-ordered said CD, you got a link to purchase gig tickets 48 hours before Lesser Mortals. So as the dutiful father that I am, that's what I did. However, my daughter said that she didn't need it as she's uh, from the streaming generation. I did mention that she'd have the artwork, liner notes, etc. to look and uh, read. Nope, the CD is still sealed in its original packaging by where I sit and that's where it will remain until I move it into my collection. You know, just for reference purposes, you understand. I knew nothing about Giant Eagles, so with no preconceived ideas, I just went for it. It sounded familiar in a way I couldn't quite put my finger on. Uh, that was halfway through the second song, Ramones, in the manner of Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, came into my head. And uh, I could imagine Joey handling vocal duties with the drums very much from the Tommy Markey and Richie school of drumming. After the album finished, uh, I checked John Eagles out on Facebook where I discovered that Ramones misfit Duran Duran influenced the band with them self-proclaiming to be the best 80s synth Ramones core band ever. From Second Landing, this is Everything Is Lost. Just let me live one more day 
Hi, this is friend of the show and squirrel associate Arkwright, guitarist with Flame Pilots, and you're listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show. You'd be nuts to listen to anything else. How many times can I talk to you? I'll never be the girl you want me to. After Giant Eagles and Everything is Lost, you heard because I played the Villain Tinos, who are today's band name of the week winners, and Boundaries of the Radio Edit, because this is radio from their self-titled debut album. Until next week, stay safe and take it easy.